Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. Three weeks in a row. Three for three. Yeah. Told you. Every weekend in July. Except the last weekend. No, I think we're still going to wind up recording a show. You booked travel that day, that weekend. Yeah, we'll leave early. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Possibly. Every weekend in July. But, you know, this is most notable because we, we've also been missing, like, non-race weekend. We've been missing shows. And this weekend we have a show. And there's no race. Well, yeah, but we also missed a few race weekends, too. And Yeah, there was that, too. Yeah. You know what I'm very disappointed by? What? There is no outrage and protest outside of the Bloke and the Bird Studios. Nobody, Seriously, you want to open the door up to that one? No one is saying, oh. wow, we really miss you when you're not recording. No, there may have been some cheering. Yes, but... that's what I'm a little afraid of. And yet we keep coming back. We do. Alas. Are, are, are you trying to take that as a sign? I'm just saying that maybe we need to read the room. You asked about signs. We've got three shows in a row. I'm just wondering if you've just announced the end of the podcast. That's what I'm trying to figure out here. Wait, what? Read the room? No. I don't think I've just announced the end of the podcast. I'm just suggesting that I'm disappointed there were not protests when we were off again, on again, off again, on again. And, you know, now we've been back for, well, now it's three weeks and... See, folk, there was no protest because folks were saying, we were on a break. No, Ross, we're <laughs> not on a break. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So, I hate to have to open the show this week. This way. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you Let me just... get the full statement out. I I hate to have to open the show this week in this way. It's not another revisit of Bernie, is it? No, it's not a revisit of Bernie. But instead, for the third week in a row now... This is why we can't have shows repeatedly. We are talking about horrific behavior in the orbit of Formula One. It's... There's a part of me that cannot quite wrap my hands around. Is it that we are finally at that point where everyone has agreed that this is so horrific and thus it can come out? Or has just the tide shifted that this is happening more? No, I I get the impression that this particular instance came out because the person that was involved was that ticked off. And that ticked off at the res- the lack of response around this. So what we're talking about is on Tuesday, um, Aiden, and I believe is it's pronounced Lau, 25-year-old okay. um, who was born in South Africa. He, he worked as a laminator uh, building parts of the cars driven by Sebastian Vettel at Aston Martin's base next to Silverstone. He was not an actual Aston Martin employee. He was a contractor who worked for a supplier at the facility. Okay. Um, So 
he said that starting almost immediately after he went there, he was um, called multiple racist nicknames. He said he was never referred to by his name. He was always called a racial slur. It was That was it. What I think is the worst part about it is, he said, before he even walked into the workplace, he was told, look, if you've got a problem with how we speak here, it's just how we speak. Now, I read that before I even read anything else that was in the story and what had happened. I read that because that's how they opened this, this, this piece up with. I read that and I'm like, that should have been a major alarm bell right there. Yeah. And he was there for several months. But the other piece of it that also ties, that, that, that bothers me, is the fact that that's the attitude in this workplace. And we don't know whether this was other consultants or this was Aston Martin employees, but that's the attitude in this workplace at a Formula One team after we just had how many years of We Races One and that was supposed to be integrated into the fabric of this sport. Uh, it's appalling. There's no other word for it. It's just appalling. And I think, you know, Formula One in particular, let alone Aston Martin, but Formula One in particular needs to look at the marketing team who at the end of 2021 was running around high-fiving each other over how successful they thought that We Races One was, that they didn't need to continue that message need to be looking in the mirror and asking what they really accomplished here. Well, that's that's when we start discussing whether or not it was marketing speak or it was reality. Marketing speak possibly to appease Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. And, you know, obviously Lewis is livid about this. Um, and it's not even his team. And I'm sure it's, Sebastian hasn't said anything, but... Uh, I'm sure he's rather ticked off about this too because he was one who was at the forefront of this along with Lewis mm -hmm. and a big supporter of him. To find out that it was somebody at his team that had to put up with this, I, I can't imagine that Seb was particularly happy about it. So on top of the racism, he says, Aiden also says that he su suffered homophobic abuse. He said that he disclosed to someone that he had a boyfriend in his teen years, and that was it. In that split second, everything switched. As soon as they found out that sliver of information, that was it. They were trying to claw me down to break me down as a man, as an individual, and as a human. Now, according to Aston Martin, they claim that the persons involved in this were not employees of the team, and that they're not they're not involved with the team any longer and that they have a zero tolerance attitude toward this. Mm. Now, to be clear, I think part of the reason why Aiden came forward is that he was let go from the team as well. Now, he doesn't claim that that was retribution for what happened. Um, and Aston Martin say that the contract was terminated due to poor performance and poor timekeeping. Um, and... Aiden accepts that his performance and punctuality suffered, but he believes that this was due to the abuse that he faced. Mm. Wow. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I, I can't believe that three weeks in a row, 
we're talking about this in Formula One. On one hand, I can't believe it. On the other hand, I can. There, it's there's so much that's out there. Yeah, and people are not just tolerating it any longer. And I think that that's actually a good thing. People are standing up and saying, this is wrong. And they're calling it out. And you're going to hear about it more and more as it becomes morally reprehensible to society and as a whole. I agree with that perspective. And, and, and I think you're, you're right. That's a lot of why we're seeing what we're seeing. But I'm more upset at Formula One over the fact that they just did the two years of We Races One, where year one was specifically on these types of issues. And in year two, the vision shifted a little bit. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't just about diversity and inclusion. It was about this whole corporate profile of better for the environment and being better citizens in general and that's all of these different pieces and then this year it's completely wiped off the map well i i I think that's what bothers me more than anything else okay um I'm, i'm sorry that that's what bothers you because quite frankly if you really thought that a slogan and an image was going to change the 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 perspective or the abuse um i think that's a little naive honestly i i think no it's because formula one wanted us to believe that this was what they were doing and and the reason why they stopped doing it was because they had changed the culture in the sport that's why they told us that they they were dropping we races one is because the culture had changed in the sport and these attitudes weren't prevalent anymore in the sport so I think that what you're doubling down on is that they dropped the program and you've equated that they have changed the, that they, that they felt like their message had been made, yes. which is what they said. You've equated that to be, we have solved the problem. And I don't believe that that's what that meant or what they, they think, because I mean, if, if it, all it took was two years um, to solve the problem of, of racism, diversity, and homophobia inside of a sport, well, we could have this thing licked worldwide in about five. So mm-hmm. that's naive. That's, that's totally naive. The, the reality is I believe that they changed the, the message and the focus because they wanted to change the conversation. They, they, they felt like they had made their point and they were continuing to work on those things, but it was no longer going to be front and center of their conversation. Now, they haven't dropped the sustainability thing. They're talking all about sustainability. Mm-hmm. That's where they have been moving towards. And maybe what has happened that we are now dealing with is that they opened the door and shed some light on the racism, the homophobia, um, the diversity issues and we're going to hear more stories that come out of that. It's horrific. And and I, I'm, I'm horrified that anybody's had to deal with this bar none. But at the end of the day, it exists in our crazy world. 
And until good people stand up and say, that's horrific and that's not right and you can't do it anymore and we don't systematically sweep it under the rug, nothing will change. Okay. Okay. Still mad at Formula One. I'm... You know something? If Aston Martin handled the problem swiftly and that's the things i don't know did they handle it swiftly did they take the complaints seriously did they do what they should do and got rid of the parties that were offended that were offensive not offended offensive offensive. did they get rid of all of those people which is what that story says i can't be that angry I can be angry with... But I also have to ask the question. If this is the only way that... that, I mean, if his story is correct, if this is the only way that he was addressed, and that's the way he was treated at when he was working at the Aston Martin factory, I can't imagine that nobody else at that factory knew that... didn't know that this was going on and didn't step in and didn't report it and didn't take action. Well, and instead, it was him going to the press that caused them to react. I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah. We don't know all the sides and all of those things. And I'm not going to try try Aston Martin, Formula One, or him in the court of public opinion. What I'm going to tell you is, if the story is true, if it's mm-hmm. accurate, it's horrific. If Aston Martin's telling the truth that they've dealt with the individuals. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that it was dealt with prior to him coming to the press. And we'll see what happens as it's shared with us. But I would suggest that we got to buckle up because some of the stuff's going to have to get rooted out and it's going to be ugly while it happens. And we're going to yell at them too. Just be warned. We're going to yell at them too. I'll, I'll I'll make phone calls. I'll I'll, I'll let my peeps you know. You're you're gonna call all the principals and let them know that we're gonna chew them out on the show. I'm watching. Is this what okay. I'll tell them? I'll right. tell each and every one of them. Well, except Toto, because when I call him and tell him I'm watching him, he takes <clears throat> it really poorly. Yeah, he does. That restraining order was not fun. <laughs> all right. So. While we're on the topic of Aston, so there was rumors a couple of months ago that that Lawrence was potentially looking to sell the team. Yes. What has since happened is Lawrence has attracted new investment into the organization. Okay. So the Saudi Public Investment Fund uh, is now the second largest stake shareholder in the business with a 17% stake. Um, Lawrence's U-Tree Consortium still owns 18.3% and Mercedes-Benz owns 9.7%. Both of them reduced their holdings so that um, the public investment fund could become the investor that they are. Now, this isn't the only team that the public investment, or the only company for that matter, the public investment fund is heavily invested in. Um, they've been so. If you remember, a couple of years ago, McLaren had that big refinancing. That, mm-hmm. that actually, I think that was twenty twenty, that secured their future. That was the Saudi Public Investment Fund. 
Um, but also they own Newcastle United. Um, if you've heard about the LIV Golf uh, organization, which is going up and competing against the, the PGA Tour, they own that. Um, but additionally, they've got um, significant holdings in um, Boeing, Disney, Citicorp, Facebook, BP, Marriott, Uber, Tesla, Nintendo, and Total. And also they own Aramco, which is a major Formula One sponsor. Yeah. So a lot of investments around Formula One. Uh, apparently, there was also a proposal put forward from China's Geely Group, uh, which owns brands like Volvo, Proton, and Lotus. Um, that proposal, the strolls turned down. Oh, okay. So, but new money over there, that's what it sounds like, is that instead of selling the team, which I, I didn't think made any sense, he took more investment in the team. Okay, so he sold off a part of the team. Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. Diluted some of his holdings. Right. Magical financy stuff. Financial stylings. He's not VJ. No, he's not. Who, by the way, got sentenced. He got sentenced. He was convicted and he was sentenced. And I didn't... It was only because you mentioned VJ that I remembered I saw the story and I didn't grab it because it was not in our usual channels. Got it. But VJ Malia has been sentenced to prison. Um, Yuki Sonoda. Let's talk more future. So Yuki Sonoda... Still some uncertainty around his seat. And I say that because Pierre Gasly's already been signed an extension. Which is kind of odd for AlphaTauri. They normally are one of the last teams to sign their drivers. They normally are, but I think the reason why is they were looking to lock Pierre in. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was one of our questions for the prediction show this year. Would Pierre leave AlphaTauri? Because... At some point, he's going to want to move to a better team. He's not going to really want to spend his entire career at AlphaTauri. And AlphaTauri is a team that is intended to be developmental in nature. At some point, there's an expiration date there. Yeah. So, But I guess Red Bull doesn't want him out of the organization just yet. They, you know, If you remember, they tried to do the same thing with Carlos Sainz, and then they went and loaned Carlos to, to Renault. <laughs> so... <laughs> Maybe that's what Gasly is waiting for, is a good loan deal. Yeah. But Yuki Tsunoda still has some uncertainty around Mm -hmm. his future. So Franz Toast was asked about Yuki's future and what could be going on, um, especially in light of apparently Helmut Marko in an article recently referred to Yuki as the company's problem child. Oh, my. Yeah. um, Particularly referencing... Um, his manner on the radio. Oh. Now, if you recall from Drive to Survive, Yuki's got a bit of a potty mouth. He does. Which they attribute to the fact that he learned English from race mechanics. Um, I don't know if that's really true, but that's what they told us in Drive to Survive. Okay. Um, Toast says that he prefers drivers with a strong character. He says that he prefers problem children because those are the real good children who can make something out of it. He doesn't like the holy children. <laughs> Yuki made a mistake, and he's referring to the collision with Gasly um, in uh, Silverstone. He said, Yuki made a mistake. He knows it, and he'll work on this. 
He's still in his development process. He's fast. He was also fast this weekend here, and he will do his way. It takes a little bit of time. He says, as long as, you know, Yuki keeps doing what he's doing without the crashes, he has a strong chance of retaining the seat. Okay. Yeah. So, do you remember that we, we talked last week about um, Colton Herta getting the chance to drive an Indy car, or uh, drive a Formula One car for two days at uh, Portimao? Yes, we did. He was going to use some testing days. So, well, yeah, they're testing days, but they're not the official testing days because there was the... Because of the change in the cars, he drove last year's car. Right. So after the test, everybody went to him and said, well, what do you think? How'd you do? What, you know, what are your thoughts? And Colton said he thinks after driving this that he could be competitive in Formula One. What do you think he's going to say? <laughs> the rest of the world went, well, duh. No, I drove it. Guys, I got to tell you something. This is really, really hard to drive. I don't think I can do it. You think he's going to do that? Like, that well, doesn't even make sense. Well, okay. If the stories are true about Nicky Lauda, you know, when he first drove the Ferrari, he didn't say he thought he could be competitive. He said it was a shitbox. So, you know. <laughs> okay, but that's a commentary on the car, not on... His ability. His yeah. ability. So, yeah. Now... <clears throat> the important question is not what does Colton think he can do because Colton is interviewing for a job and Colton mm-hmm. has just decided that, you know, he's going to, I can do it. I can do it. I can learn. I can pick up everything really easily. I'm a go-getter, a team player. I can do anything. What does McLaren think about Holton's drive? Colton. Colton Herta's drive. There you go. Um, They haven't really said anything. Oh, the silence is deafening. Yeah. So, so the HR person has not gotten back to him yet. There's no like... Well, he, he's still on for the free practice one test in this year's car. Oh, okay. But, you know, when I saw this, I'm like, well, okay, it's last year's car. Formula One was at Portimao last year. We should be able to get some direct comparisons. If he's turning around and saying that he thinks he's competitive... We should have some direct comparisons car for car. And what everybody came out and said was, well, in Portimao with this car, the winds matter and the temperatures matter and it was a different time of year. So it really wasn't a direct comparison and we can't really do that, which bull. I call bull. But that's what they're telling us. Is but they're still the not telling us lap different. times or yeah. anything that would help us say, oh, well, he's five seconds off the pace or holy crap, he's five seconds up on the pace. Yeah. And then you can start caveating it and going, OK, but mm-hmm. um, now. So we have no idea except Colton thinks he can be competitive and he's calling the HR department to find out when the next interview is going to be. Yeah, pretty okay. much. OK. All righty. Now, adding to the question around Colton and, you know, his desire to come to Formula One, his performance <laughs> there, um, we had some, and I found out about this 
not through Formula One or any of our news sites, but from IndyCar, this little drama. They shared all this out. But we had a little drama around the McLaren Racing Organization and the Ganassi Racing Organization and Alex Palau. Okay, I'm, I'm very curious to see how this connects to Herta, as Palau and Herta are not the same human. They're not. Um, however, Colton Herta has been... Uh, he's been somebody that Zach Brown has talked about quite a bit in supporting and helping, as much as we know the Andretti organization has also said that they thought Colton could be a potential driver for them if they get a car in. Zach Brown has also expressed interest in Colton, a la the reason why he got a McLaren test. Okay. So there is that piece. Um, but do you remember a couple of years ago? Monisha. Yeah. Monisha Kelton born and that magic trick she tried to pull off of three drivers in two race seats. It's it's musical race seats. Well, we we might possibly have the opposite of that going on right now with more race seats than we have drivers for and nobody knowing where folks are going to go. So basically, Monisha was ahead of her time and it all averages out. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to give her that credit. Anyway, so what happened is this past Wednesday, yeah, it was this past Wednesday, at 3.31 p.m., the Chip Ganassi Racing Team, who Alex Palau this year drives for, uh, the Chip Ganassi Racing Team issued a statement stating it had exercised its contract option for the 2023 season with Alex Palau. And the release inclu- included quotes from team owner Chip Ganassi and Alex. Okay, sounds good. Four hours later, or just shy of four hours later, Alex Palau sends out three tweets claiming that the release was issued without his consent and he did not intend to continue with the team past 2022 for personal reasons, and that the quotes in that press release, he neither said nor approved for their release. Oh, my. Five minutes later, so 7.19 or so p.m. Eastern Time, McLaren Racing issues a press release stating it has signed Alex Palau to quote, race for McLaren starting in 2023. The release included quotes from McLaren Racing CEO Zach Brown, Alex Palau, and Brown, Palau, and McLaren Racing's Twitter accounts all issued tweets after the release celebrating Alex's move to the organization. Okay. At 9.46 Eastern Time, the Ganassi organization responded to a request for comment with a text reading, quote, we can confirm that Alex Palau is under contract with the team through 2023. Oh, my. Yeah. So Alex Palau now has, well, does he really have two race seats in IndyCar? And well, I asked that question because I know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's what we, we know for sure. And we know McLaren has been talking about running three, and it's Arrow McLaren SP is the IndyCar team, that they have been talking about running three cars 
for 2023. They've already announced that Alexander Rossi and Pato Award will be starting in the 2023 NTT race season for them. Okay. So now you add Alex Palau, potentially. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also they announced earlier this year that Felix Rosenquist, and they announced on June 23rd, that Felix Rosenquist will drive next season with a multi-year contract renewal for 2023 and beyond. The key thing there is they announced that Felix's contract was extended for with McLaren Racing. Okay. It's important to note that McLaren Racing as an entity includes the Auro McLaren SP IndyCar team, the um, McLaren Extreme E off-road electric vehicle racing team in 2020, well, actually starting this year, the 2022-2023 Formula E season, they have a Formula E team and the F1 team. So they and have in, a few teams. So and they have in a none few of seats. those releases did they specify who Alex would be racing for and who Felix Rosenquist would be racing for, just that they have contracts with McLaren Racing. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. Yeah. Do you Did you pull Silly Season music? Because, I mean, it's indie people. Do we still use the Silly Season music for this? Actually, you know, this really does need the silly season music because it's begun mm-hmm. the silliest of the silly season as opposed to the highest of the fives yeah um. <laughs> not the highest of the fives not even a self five this is this is definitely the silliest of the silly season so even even indycar is coming out and going yeah we don't know what exactly is going on here but um we're keeping an eye on it because they want to run a third car but we have two extra drivers that we don't know what to do with. So, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. At first, when you told me this, you used the whole, remember Monisha? Yeah. Like, go back five minutes in the show. Mm-hmm. Remember Monisha? She tried to put three butts in two seats. Mm-hmm. And then you said, well, McLaren is now trying to put one person in two seats. So McLaren and Chip Ganassi both are trying well, to Well, we have one person who's being, being snagged, snagged by two, two different teams. teams. So one butt, two seats. But then if we dig down into what McLaren is actually doing, currently they have two cars. They said they wanted a third. And now they have four drivers. But they've also got the Extreme E team. They have other seats. I get that. Mm -hmm. But everything is pointing or alluding to this thought that they've actually put more butts in seats than they have seats for at least in one series. Now, if they hop series, that also would need to get announced. So basically, they need a marketing person because their PR announcements are not on par. Well, it's more than just that. Also, their legal people need to know. But there's another possibility. Because this is IndyCar, they could turn around and go, actually, we're going to run four cars this season. Well, They could do that. They could do that, or they could say that Alex and Felix, which would be all stupid because they're both good drivers, are sharing the car. 
and they're going to split the races. And there's that possibility too of you know we'll put one in for ovals and one in for road tracks or. One will do the ones in the eastern and, and the central time zones, and the other will do the mountains and the western time zone. And Yeah, I mean, they could do some weird stuff there, too. Who knows? Yeah. But there's also the fact that, again, McLaren has lots of teams. They have lots and of they teams haven't and specified lots of drivers. They haven't specified what series... And Daniel Ricardo, there's been, you know, we heard the rumors coming from Zach Brown that Daniel has not met expectations. And we know Daniel hasn't met his own personal expectations. So there's the question of, well, okay, what about the Formula One seat? And the fact that we have Colton Herta driving a Formula One car this weekend and going to get tests and all of that. So... On social media, Daniel put out a statement. As a reminder, he has a contract today through the end of 2023. Mm -hmm. So talk about potential exit clauses aside. He has said, there have been a lot of rumors around my future in Formula One, but I want you to hear it from me. I am committed to McLaren until the end of next year, and I'm not walking away from the sport. Appreciate it hasn't always been easy, but who wants easy? I've been working with the team to make improvements and get the car right and back to the front where it belongs. I still want this more than ever. And these comments came a day after the tug of war over Palau. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that I think it was Andrea Seidel who said, yeah, well, and, uh, well, Daniel does have a contract, but even that's not specific to the series. Mm. I can't imagine that's actually true, though. I can't imagine Daniel would have said, oh, well, I'll take a contract with McLaren Racing to just take whatever seat's available. It had. I can't imagine that they did not negotiate a contract that was for Formula One. Well, what if it said, what if that exit clause is, if you're not performing in Formula One, we will then put you in another seat? And the idea being, and this protects Daniel, is you're not out on your ear. We will just put you in one of our other seats. Because Daniel's indicated that he'd love to drive IndyCar. Didn't he, wasn't he the one that wanted to go drive NASCAR? He's mentioned NASCAR. And, and he drove Dale Earnhardt, one of Dale Earnhardt's cars that um, Zach Brown happened to own. Right. So he's been like, oh, I'd like to drive other series. So maybe that's the exit clause. Maybe that's the the little tidbit in the in the clause is if we didn't that you shouldn't drive in Formula One, you still have a seat in the universe. We'll put you in another race series. That could huh. You didn't think about that, did you? I didn't. And then it makes you wonder, okay, what would the potential machinations be there? Especially when you think about what that driver lineup looks like today. Yes, you've got Pato Award, who has been considered a potential Formula One candidate on and off and and seen as a rising star in IndyCar. We've mentioned Colton Colton Herta already. But let's also remember who they signed for next year again. Alexander Rossi, who's already driven in Formula One. Yeah. Now, very different generation of cars. 
Very different generation of cars. And quite frankly, Alex has had far more success in Indy than he has had in. And, and that's the thing. I, I, I would be stunned if Zach Brown went to Alex and said, hey, look, you know, we're thinking about making a swap here. What are your thoughts of coming up to Formula One again? Mm-hmm. I, I can't help but think that Alex, it would not be an easy decision for him, knowing that he, he has grown the following that he has grown in the U.S. and he's got the support that he has in the U.S. and more success in IndyCar than he ever had a chance of having in Formula One. There's all of those things. Plus, he has a really cool t-shirt this year. <laughs> so, moving on departures now so apparently this is the hr department show possibly um the fia announced this week that former race formula one race director michael Massey has departed from his role with the organization and has returned to australia to be closer to his family so they have given him the requisite couple of months to save face and then exit i don't know i'm gonna go with the he decided that if he couldn't work in formula one that there were perfectly good motorsports opportunities for him in australia where he's from and would much rather live that's what i'm gonna go with you're choosing to believe that yes i'm choosing to believe that part of the investigation was a conversation of Huh, shockingly, this is about exactly six months after the results of that investigation came out and that somebody, you know, Mohammed bin Salam possibly, pulled Michael aside and said, here's the deal. We're going to give you six months. Go find something else and we'll all part as friends. That's my choice in belief. It could be, but I think... As I recall, and I could be wrong because this was February when, when actually it may have been almost March because it was the end of the month when they announced that report. I, I think we had predicted that Michael was going to ultimately depart the, uh, despite being in a different role and having other responsibilities. We were expecting that at some point Michael was going to walk. Well, yes, yes. But I just kind of believe that it actually was part of that piece, but that somebody said, well, because for the good of the sport, because the, the, the argument's going to be if we fire Michael over this and not change the results or not augment <clears throat> the world champion results, then it will always come into question. So they, uh, they almost had to be backed into keeping Michael for a period of time. And somebody said, well, six months sounds good. And I mean, you could clock it. The report came out at the end of February, but it was created a month prior. Remember how the delay went? It was released to the teams. It was, you know, the results. Well, we're not going to release this report, but all we're going to do is tell you what we're doing. And these are the things that we're doing. That happened at the beginning of February. Here it is, mid-July. That's six months. You could have set a stopwatch to that one. Okay. I mean, it it is not 
outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. He got in-house gardening leave is what he got. Corporate welfare. Corporate welfare. Six months. That's all you get. So last weekend, the Austrian Grand Prix, that was a really good race. It really was. Um, You'll recall the kind of frightening incident with Carlos Sainz and his engine exploding and then the car rolling back and the The flames growing bigger. And the chalk's not going in there because it was up on a hill. Mm -hmm. So there's been a bit of criticism levied toward the marshals and their response around this. Um, They've come out and they have defended themselves. Even Carlos came out and said he was concerned that it seemed, and admittedly, when the car is burning behind you, yes, the response seems slow. Mm-hmm. Even if they were there instantly, the response is going to seem slow. But he said that it felt like the response was slower um, than he expected it to be. Mm. Um, so the marshals have been defending their response and what happened. And one of the, the, the first things that everybody's pointing out, including the FIA, is this went by the book. However, there were some unique circumstances here that even though it went by the book and everything was done the way it needed to, things were slower. Okay. Um, the first being, of course, the fact that Carlos ended up with the, the fire. Yes, he was on the safety road and on that hill, which meant that he couldn't just jump out. And the only way he could hold the, the car there was to, to have his foot on the brake. Otherwise, it, there was a distinct possibility it would have rolled back onto the track. That would have been so much worse. But where he ended up stopping, he was actually in a blind spot for the marshal stand. Mm. So that created the, the next bit of a, a problem there because the marshal stand couldn't see the extent of the situation. On top of that, even if the, the marshals could, they can't go out onto the track. And this is changes in, in the wake of the, the Jules Bianchi crash in Suzuka years ago. The, the marshals are not allowed onto the track to respond to something like this unless they're cleared from race control. Since they couldn't see what happened, they were solely reliant on race control to tell them what was going on. So they got the radio call of get out onto the track due to car fire. They grabbed fire extinguisher. Well, they did that, and the marshal who showed up there with the fire extinguisher and chopped to try and stop the car also very quickly realized that fire extinguisher was not enough Mm -hmm. which then caused another display or delay because they had to get a fire truck out there and over to and get clearance for the fire truck to come out as opposed to the marshal seeing what happened being able to quickly assess and go we need the fire truck out here and radioing to race control we need approval to send the fire truck as opposed to the other way around. And that caused the delay. And all of that seems completely reasonable. I mean, the the biggest thing I think everybody really reacted to, and I don't think anybody ever thinks about it, is there's no handbrake in those cars. Mm-hmm. And because of that, there's nothing to prevent it from rolling back on the track. And yeah. so I think whether the car you know burned longer than it should have or anything isn't a concern it's how do we figure out how to stop the car moving so carlos could get out 
Well, yeah. w- and and what ended up happening, and I think a lot of it was heat of the moment and the fact that dr- this isn't something that drivers rehearse and practice. But if you recall, what ended up happening is they tried to put the chalk under the wheel of the, 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 the front right wheel of the car, and it didn't stop the car. The car bounced off the, tri- the, the chalk and dragged it down a little bit. But what that chalk ended up doing was it pushed the steering rack enough that instead of going down the safety road, the car hit the barrier and wedged against the barrier so it didn't roll further back. If, and, and I'm sure Carlos didn't think of it because they don't rehearse this, but if he had thought of that, if he had just cut the wheel over right off the bat, mm-hmm. they could have saved a couple of seconds there because he could have cut the wheel over, it would have wedged the car right in, and that would have been the end of any issues of it rolling. I'm going to attribute it to heat of the moment and car burning behind you and race and all of that. and But that would have solved the problem. Yeah. Well, it would have solved that problem. <laughs> yeah. So, other news. Okay. You recall last weekend, Fernando Alonso didn't start the sprint race due to issues. The one where his tire blankets were still on his car and there was all sorts of problems? Yes. Well, the tire blankets were still on the car because the car had no power. Right. And they were working on fixing that and ran out of time so they didn't bother to uncover the tires. They have figured out the issue. Initially, so we knew there was, as they put it, a power blackout. What Alpine thought the issue was, was with the ECU itself and that the ECU had died. Now the ECU in these cars are standard issue parts. Everybody runs the same ECU. They all come from the same supplier. There's no funny business that goes on with those. So very concerning when a standard part goes. Mm-hmm. Well, Alpine's come back and said, well, yeah, actually it wasn't really the ECU. It was kind of our fault. Uh-oh. So the problem was the box that supplies power to the ECU. That box is manufactured by Alpine. Oh. So that was the problem. That's what killed Fernando's car. Um, And (laughs) of course, Otmar, as he's explaining this and going, so, you know, the ECU is fine, but the box that powers the ECU wasn't fine. And if you don't power it, it looks like the ECU is dead. Okay. No, that's not really how it works. It means the ECU doesn't work. It is dead because you didn't give it power. It's your fault. It's not that it looks like it's dead. It is dead because you didn't give it power. So if I was to, I don't know, unplug uh, my coffee pot Uh and try to push the button on my coffee pot and the coffee pot didn't turn on, the coffee pot is in fact dead. Yeah, but it's your fault it's dead. Right. It's not because it's bustamicated. That's the technical term, by the way. (laughs) Yes. It is not because of that. It is because of a failure to insert plug into power supply. Yeah. But that's not the only time they have had this issue. So the race before that, there was the issue with Esteban Ocon's car at Silverstone, the fuel pump issue. Um, And it repeated again on his car after the the end of the sprint in Austria. Um, 
It was related to the SSC high pressure fuel pump. Again, a standard part. This one is supplied to all the teams by Bosch. And once again, Alpine started to blame Bosch for the issue and said it was their problem and that they knew that this was, was an issue that, that had been going on with the Bosch high pressure pumps. They saw it in preseason testing and wind tunnels and some of the other things. Um, and them and I believe it was Ferrari, yeah, Alpine and Ferrari, because several teams had the issue, but Alpine and Ferrari got special dispensation from the FIA to manufacture their own fish, their own fix for this problem. Since all of that happened, the issue, the, the pumps were, were re-engineered and the problem has gone away, but they're still using the non-re-engineered version with the Alpine fix. Oh, okay. And it was the Alpine fix that broke. You know, one of the reasons people race in Formula One is to advertise their cars for sale. Um, I'm not maybe, sure maybe that this Alpine, is a good PR moment for yeah, Alpine. Maybe Alpine electrics are not, you know, all that great. You know, but then again, okay, look at Ferrari this year. Look at look at what's what what just happened in Austria with Ferrari this year with with engine going kerblamo and bits flying that also everywhere. The yes, that 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 well, that wasn't really so much the technical term. That was the noise it made as the guts of the engine went shooting out the side of the car with the flames and the smoke and everything else. Okay, I'm not <clears throat> saying that Alpine Electrics need work i'm just saying that perhaps they should not have used the schematics from lucas possibly to build their electrics you know what i should point out with the ferrari and the situation this is actually really bad for ferrari right now with the engines so already charles leclerc has taken an engine penalty because he's gone through his allocation and they needed to bring up another one Mm -hmm. and we're not halfway through the season with Carlos's engine going kerblamo. He's now hit his allocation for engines as well. Yeah. Not halfway through the season. And if you're in the middle of a championship fight, even if it's starting to, you're pro- actually, I think the potential for a constructors is still there, but for drivers, the prospects are getting dimmer. Taking engine penalties is not a good thing. No. So, more looking forward. Not No HR stuff this time. Okay. But uh, unsurprisingly, and we don't have the details on it as of yet, but unsurprisingly, in the aftermath of Joe Guan Yu's crash in Silverstone and the roll hoop being ripped off the car, um, it is expected that there will be stricter roll hoop tests for 2023. Um there is speculation, although it's not confirmed, that the specific design... Because remember, we talked that the design of the roll hoop that they used is different than what everybody else did. Um, there is a pretty good... There, there's a lot of expectation that that design will be banned for next year. Okay. Um, on safety concerns, but also expectations that, that uh, lateral force loads are going to be increased in terms of what they need to be able to withstand. 
That's the thought is it's the lateral load that ripped it off the car. Interesting. So we'll see what happens with that. Bernie's in the news again. <sighs> you know, every week for years when he still was the head honcho of Formula One, I would go, can we go a week without talking about tires, engines, or Bernie? Recently, it's become, can we just go a week without talking about Bernie? And he's not even relevant to the sport anymore. But apparently, when you do three shows in three weeks, we have to talk about Bernie three weeks in a row. Yeah, but this is a story you expected several years ago. Okay. So, it was announced this past week by the Crown Prosecution Service in the UK that they had authorized the charging of Bernard Charles Eccleston with fraud by false representation following an HRMC investigation. So, or excuse me, an HMRC investigation. HMRC is the tax service in the UK. Um, This all has to do with a failure to declare to HMRC the existence of assets held overseas to be worth in excess of 400 million pounds. Oh, wow. So we don't have any more detail than that. Um, but I'm guessing he's not going to get out of this one. Not full. They probably won't throw him in jail. Oh, I was kind of hoping that he'd be in the suite with VJ. They'll probably fine him a lot of money. But he has a lot of money, so it's okay. And that's the problem, is he's, at this point, according to the Sunday Times Rich List, has a net worth of around 2.5 billion pounds. That's with a B, isn't it? Yeah, billion with a B. Mm. So... Uh, So he probably might, you know, he may have to sell off one of his houses. Well, you know, we, we could hope that he has to sell off his share in Interlagos. I mean, that would be nice. Yeah, you know. Make him even less relevant to the sport. But we're going to keep an eye on this because it's it, it's Bernie and it's legal trouble. Well, yeah. But if he was in an adjoining suite with VJ, wouldn't that be awesome? That that could be very entertaining. Yes. Both of them could compare notes on different financial stylings. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and where those financial stylings got them. Yeah. And finally... In the world of the absurd. (laughs) So at the Austrian Grand Prix, uh, senior Honda staff, including Honda's CEO Toshira Mibe, Chairman CJ CJ Karashi, and Honda Racing President Koji Watanabe and its director Yasuaki Asaki, um, they were all there. And they have all said that they are following the new 2026 engine rules very closely and that they could come back. Oh. Even though they went away. They're saying there's still a chance. Didn't they say they were leaving? Like they threw their toys out of the pram and said we're done. Well, this see, this seems to be the thing with Honda in Formula One. So they we are... want to be in Formula One? Nah, we're going to leave Formula One. We want to be in Formula One? Nah, we want to leave leave Formula One. So they're basically like every high school relationship known to man. On again, off again, on again, off again? Yes. Oh, yeah. This is worse than Ross and Rachel. 
Well, that's that's because Honda never said they were on a break. But they are. They are on a break. You know, and when they first came to Formula One, they weren't really very good together. So they, well, actually the first time that they came to Formula One, they were really, really good together. And then they left and then they came back and they weren't really good together. And then they left and then they came back and they still weren't very good together. But then they went to somebody else and they got really better. And then they said, ah, we're going to leave anyway. And now they're saying, maybe we'll come back. Yeah. Like I said, every high school relationship. Yeah. There you go. And on that note, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. <laughs> a little break? Okay. Whew.